fans and welcome to episode 8 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host Jeff Armstrong and today we're going to be reading chapter 8 of Bringing Balance, a book I wrote in one month. I was actually going to say one week but that would be totally insane. Anyway, um, welcome to the episode. Today I'm sipping on a little bit of a beer and I'm recording today on a Tuesday. Tuesday, definitely Tuesday. So I'm a little behind schedule. Usually I do this on a Monday or Sunday and then edit and release on Monday. Edit's probably not the right word. Throw in the theme music and release on a Monday. But here we are on a Tuesday finishing this up. Um, I had some house guests for the weekend, so I really couldn't get to this uh, get to this podcast. Hopefully it goes out today. We'll see, though. I'm not sure. I do like to listen to them first, but I don't know why. I've never edited a single episode, if you know what I mean. So, a little bit of a late record, but if you want to contact me, uh, you can go to jeffreadshisbook.com, and all my contact information is right there on my website. Or you could email me at jba at sdf.org. Or you can contact me on Twitter at Fortran Jeff, or in the Fediverse on Mastodon at JBA at Mastodon.sdf.org if you're a huge nerd. So this is actually a very exciting episode because I got responses to the discussion questions from my loyal listener, my wife. So I thought I'd read through a couple of her responses. Let's take a look at what she says. All right, discussion questions. So she's only listened to the first two episodes, and I like her responses to this. One of the questions was, how ugly is the pendant? Remember, Erin is wearing a pendant on her neck. And what was my wife's response is, I picture the pendant to be a very 90s-style goth-type pendant. Like a clear crystal dagger type pointy pendant held up by a black velvet chain. That's kind of how I saw it too. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's in high school. She's probably goth. Who knows? Let's see. Is goth still a thing, or do what do they call them now? Um, Isn't there something uh, emo? Is it emo, or is that not cool either? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to ask. I can't ask teenagers. I'm a man. Anyway. Uh, and what else? Oh, who's looking for Erin? Good response here. Ooh, this is my wife's response. Ooh, who is looking for Erin? With an exclamation point and question mark. And then she says, I've read this book and have forgotten entirely. <laughs> That's how quality this book is, huh? And let's see, what did she say? Let me see. So she also listened to chapter two. Let's see if she has some hilarious ones for that. Um, let's see here. Let's see. If Henry opened the office door, couldn't he just open his trunk? Oh, okay. How about this question? Question. When Erin jammed her fingers into the air, apparently she did that in that chapter. I've entirely forgotten. All right. Uh, Were they jazz hands? Her response was, let's see. Um, 
I was picturing Aaron doing more of a clenched fist in the air, kind of like how Jack McFarland, that's from Will and Grace, would do in frustration. Like, oh, I just did it. So if anybody's listening live in my basement, they saw me do it. And what do we do? How much paperwork did this all generate? Remember? Because Henry attacked everybody outside their work. and It was a secure location. He broke down the door, blah, blah, blah. As far as paperwork is concerned, and as someone who does it every day of her working life, hey, it's keeping someone or several someone's employed. So I think what my wife is implying is that Henry is helping the economy by creating security concerns. Fair enough. I think that's a valid response. So if you'd like to hear your response read on this podcast and want me to make hand motions and try to emulate what you've written, go ahead and contact me. Again, just go to jeffreadsbook.com and click those links on the side. Awesome. So I don't really have anything else to get to. Uh, nobody else sent me anything, so let's get mo- moving. Today we're going to read Chapter 8, okay? This is going to be six pages long, so hopefully we don't spend too much time on this chapter. I'm really hoping we don't, right? Um... I didn't preview it until about two seconds before I hit record. It looks like we're going to meet somebody in this chapter. One of my less favorite characters. That's fine, though. Not a main character. Is that too much of a giveaway? I don't I don't know. I don't think it's a giveaway. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, one thing I have to say, though, is this character showed up way sooner than I thought. So I have to admit, this book moves faster than I thought. Although I'm looking at... I have it saved on you know the page we're going to start on. And there's a lot of book left, so we've got a long way to go through this. There might be 22 chapters, but I have a feeling a few of these are going to be long. But I would have thought there'd be a couple that were like two pages, but here we are. Anyway, uh, the book is kind of action-packed so far, don't you think? I mean, we've had some excitement. We've had some escapes and some battles and some domestic abuse, you know, that kind of stuff. So, good times, right? Everybody loves this, so... Why don't we just jump into it? Because I don't want this episode to take all that long. Although it looks like from our recording, what are we at? Six and a half minutes almost? Although I'd say a solid 45 seconds of it is me trying to open my email and just having dead air. So let's jump in to chapter eight. Okay, here we are in the book and we're going to start reading. Today, though, I should point out, I am sipping a Founders All-Day IPA, I guess you'd call it a tall boy, what, 19.2 fluid ounces? I don't, where did they even come up with one pint, 3.2 fluid ounces? It's like, wouldn't you do a, a pint or, what, 20 ounces? I don't understand 19.2. I thought maybe it was had something to do with being metric, but it says it's 568 milliliters, you know, for all you people living in Soviet Canada, but... I don't understand. That was a joke, by the way. I think I heard it on Archer. So if you think I hate Canada, you're insane. It's the bomb. But anywho, uh, yeah, I'm going to sip this. I bought it today when I was doing some grocery shopping. We're having some food supply issues since uh, I had those house guests this weekend. But we should be all set now. And when you can buy a single beer at the grocery store, pretty fun. Don't drink it in your car, though, folks. Keep it in the trunk, right? But now we're sipping it, and we're going to get into this book. All right. Chapter 8. Let's begin. The four stopped on the outskirts of town to rest and dine on what whatever Margot could produce. 
So they just escaped people, and then they stopped for a snack. That seems normal. Aaron smiled at Stephen as he sat down next to her on the soft grass just of the road. I think that's off the road, so we're already into some typos. He returned the smile and asked all three of them, What exactly is going on here? Why did we just run from the inn? And what happened in the street? Aaron could tell from his voice that his questions were well-intentioned, not originating from suspicion or malice. She began, It's hard to explain. I needed some help. So Henry, Henry McCallum, that is, Henry waved, helped me get to this world from my own. When we arrived here, we ran into some trouble, but I was saved by Margot Lafleur. Now we're looking... Lafleur, he interrupted. Margot raised her eyebrows and turned away from the two in apparent disgust. Aaron tried to defuse the situation. No, no, Margot is wonderful. Henry mentioned... There may be others who share her last name that might not be, but she is great. Stephen seemed satisfied for the moment. Okay, he responded grudgingly. Go on. So now we're looking for another mage to help, and he lives a little ways west of here, right? Aaron continued, turning towards Margot for confirmation. The black-haired woman refused to turn back to face Aaron or Stephen. Well, I'll be happy to continue to help you, Stephen said. No, that won't be necessary, Henry interjected. Really? It's no trouble. I can just run back into town to grab some things, maybe some more supplies, my bow, some money. Okay, and there's a period. That wasn't like a dot, dot, dot. It just ends. That's not a sentence. Well, I guess people don't speak in sentences sometimes, but wouldn't you do a dot, dot, dot? Whatever. I don't think that counts as a typo. That's just... Stupid. Aaron could tell that Henry was dead set against inviting the new man along, but she had a good feeling about the stranger. Glancing at Margot, who was still turned away from Stephen, proved unhelpful. She decided to press the issue with the female mage. Margot, what do you think? Aaron asked. Margot turned back and said, He's very quick to judge. I'm sorry, miss. It's just that your name does tend to carry some weight. I meant no harm. Please, allow me to make it up to you, Stephen responded. Margot looked at Henry, who simply shook his head to indicate his disapproval. A grin suddenly graced her face, and she said to Stephen, Why not? Please do join us. For crying out loud, Margot, you're just agreeing to annoy me, Henry exclaimed. Perhaps I think it's a good idea, she said with a mischievous smile. Henry groaned. Fine. Both of you seem to see no problem with this, so whatever. Go ahead, collect your things. We'll be waiting. Stephen leapt to his feet. Great, he said. I'll be back in a few minutes. The young man ran back into town. You invited him just to piss me off, Henry accused, looking at Margot. Another pair of hands might be very useful, she retorted. Aaron piped up, trying to stave off another argument. I think it's a great idea. After all, he did get us out of a nasty situation just an hour ago. I suppose, Henry said, softening a little. I'm going to keep an eye on him, though. Oh, drinking break! 
All day IPA is tasty and it's low alcohol. I like this. I like this a lot. All right. All right, we're back. When Stephen returned, the troop started off again, leaving the small wooden village behind them. Margot explained to Stephen where they were attempting to go, and the two conversed about the best route to take or route. Would you say route or route? I say route. Is that regional? I don't even know if that's like a regional thing. Oh, I say route, I say route. Uh, Right in, right in. Is it regional? Yes, let let us know. Call in, callers. All right, or listeners. I'm not good at radio. Henry couldn't help but feel some mild longing as they talked. He hadn't seen Margot smile in so long that he had forgotten the effect it had on him. Okay. The overcast sky remained from the previous day. Their walk took them along a stone road, first through farmlands, then into more wild pastures. Set off the road was the occasional home or barn, but few people were out in the dawn hours. Henry thought that their departure had gone relatively unnoticed, although the magic that Margot had employed in town would certainly alert some interested parties as to their whereabouts. Near midday, the four came upon an intersection at which they turned south. Margot assured the two weary travelers, Aaron and Henry, and the seemingly superhuman Stephen. Why? Because he wasn't tired? It's not even mentioned he's not tired. He's just superhuman. That they were nearly at Roland's home. Eventually, the road entered a dense forest. Five minutes after entering the dark canopy of trees still clinging to summer, Margot led them from the road onto a path winding into the trees and undergrowth. When Henry first saw the hut, he knew that they had reached their destination. While the small stone structure was unassuming to the untrained eye, he could feel the magic within and wondered what exactly lay inside. Margot and Aaron seemed relieved to reach the home. Even though he remained suspicious of their newly acquired companion, Henry was happy to see that he remained wary like himself. Margot hammered her fist on the door and waited. In a surprisingly short time, the door was thrown open, revealing Roland, the elder mage from their past. Henry tried to force a smile, but he was pretty sure he looked simply neutral. Roland, on the other hand, looked just as Henry remembered, still sporting a short, carefully trimmed gray beard and a stature that seemed to suggest he'd still be a problem in a fight, even with his advanced years. "'Well, I didn't expect any visitors today!' he exclaimed. "'Certainly not Margot Lafleur. How are you, my dear?' "'Sir Roland, it's so wonderful to see you again,' Margot replied warmly. The two exchanged a polite hug, and Roland stepped aside to allow them into his hut. Henry passed through the door last. "'Sir Roland, you're looking well,' Henry said. "'Thank you, and welcome back. Have you been back long?' he asked as Henry stepped inside." Only a few days now. I'm afraid we need some assistance, Henry replied. (laughs) Inside, Henry was surprised by what he observed. While the hut appeared to be quaint, 
while the hut appeared to be a quaint single-room cottage from the outside. The interior was that of an exquisitely constructed Muttley Room home. <laughs> Is that a multi? All right. And, like, the hyphen is M-U-T dash, and then it goes to the next line, Lee Room. Mutt Lee Room home. Ugh, this is so bad. The walls were built from chiseled stone. The cathedral ceilings rose far above their heads, and the floors were adorned with soft rugs and carpets. The traveler stood in the entryway in amazement of the deceiving home. I think some introductions are in order, he said to Aaron and Stephen. I am Sir Roland, previously of Overlook Temple, and you are? Hi, I'm Aaron, an offworlder, Aaron replied first. And I'm Stephen, the newest traveler said, offering his hand. Why don't we retire to the sitting room, he offered. Is that a question? I would think that'd be more of a statement. It ends in a question mark here. Again, not typo, just I don't know what to do. So, well, You know what? I'm going to have a sip of beer because I'm getting a little tired of reading here. Mm. This is really messing up my Tuesday workday, but it's lunch hour. We're going to power through this, right? All right. All five moved from the entryway into a warm room featuring a fireplace currently being employed, <laughs> a large chair opposite the flames, and two sofas facing each other on either side of the fire. Do you, do you think in medieval times they had sofas? That seems like a modern thing. I guess he's kind of like an elder mage. He's probably got money, so he could get upholstery. Yeah. Aaron and Margot sat opposite each other, nearest to the overstuffed chair, <laughs> and Stephen predictably sat next to Aaron. Henry sighed and walked around the sofa to sit in the remaining seat on the far end of Margot's sofa. Roland walked to a nearby table and poured drinks into five waiting glasses for everyone. After serving the guests, he sat down in the end chair, giving the impression that he was now in charge. Roland turned to look at the fire. Okay, did anybody understand that seating arrangement? Because I am baffled. Two sofas featuring each other on either side of the fire. Oh, so there's like a fireplace and then two sofas facing each other with like an opening between them where the fireplace would be maybe. And then a chair on the end, the overstuffed chair. Is it a lazy boy? What the crap? Ugh. I guess... I don't know. That description kind of stunk. So, what might I help you with? He asked the group. Margot started. Henry and I are trying to help Erin. Maybe she should tell her story. Erin related the story of he, aunt, and the pendant. Oh, God. However, Henry noted she did leave her aunt's name out of the story, which he considered quite clever. She was trusting Margot's judgment in talking to Roland, but she wasn't trusting Roland. Let me see this necklace, Roland requested. Aaron rose and walked over to him, offering him the stone in her hand while not taking off not taking the chain off her neck. Roland inspected it for a moment, his eyes widening. 
My dear, I believe this pendant may be the missing half of the balancing stone. Ooh, that's caps, balancing stone. <laughs> oh, exciting. Margot gasped while everyone else waited for further explanation. Erin returned to her seat, followed the whole time by Margot's eyes. You've had the stone for how long? Rowan asked. Erin simply said three years. The timelines match up. The balancing stone is a powerful relic that is thought to maintain a balance between the light and dark magics, Roland explained. There is a white stone referred to as the light, which I believe is what hangs around your neck. The dark sits in the light and the dark are capitalized. Just FYI. The dark sits in the royal palace to this day. Three years ago, the order charged with protecting the stone was dissolved, but the light was disappeared. Was disappeared? I would have just said, but the light dis half disappeared. Ugh. How strange that an off-worlder should end up with it. So its absence has caused the resurgence of dark magic, Margot triumphantly concluded. Wow, thanks. Well, maybe, Roland conceded. The balancing stone was never well understood, but the stone can be used to wield great power. So that's why the magistrates are after her. They must know she holds the stone, Margot said. Thanks, Margot. That was real... Uh, that was real difficult to figure out. What do we do now? That's still Margot. We must restore the balancing stone, Roland said. Whoa, wait a second, Henry interjected. I'm not sure it's a wise idea to go walking into the royal palace and take the dark. It's incredibly dangerous, and we're already wanted. Do you have a better suggestion? Roland asked Henry. With nothing better to offer, he frowned and remained quiet. Didn't like the idea of placing any of them in harm's way, especially the young offworlder who was somehow wrapped up in this terrible idea by a now-missing blood relation. Henry was further irritated by the fact that Margot was acting so agreeable to the older mage's ideas. She does seem kind of like, Oh, that's a wonderful idea! I, I'm not going to do voices for her ever again. Thank you. That was it. Oh, where am I? I doubt it will be as dangerous as you might think, Roland continued. The palace simply houses offices of the government these days, and with the aid of one of the best illusionists in the known world... We should be able to sneak right in. Oh, see, he's flattering Margot to get her on his side. Well, I mean, she's already on his side. I think that settles it, Margot said. We should start off tomorrow towards Oliath. Oliath? I don't remember how I pronounced this. All right. It's capital O, so that's the name of the city, I guess, where the palace is. Oh, oh. Why don't we go with Oliath? I think that sounds good. To resolve this whole mess. We can reunite the balancing stone and return it to its resting place. Ooh. With that solved, why don't we sit down for a warm meal before sleep tonight? I have two guest rooms. The room with two beds I offer to the two ladies, and the second only has one bed. The fourth person can, of course, sleep on the couch here. 
Roland said. <laughs> Sorry, had a little page-turning problem. Stephen was about to speak, but Henry was faster, raising his hand, saying, No, I'll take the couch, I insist. Aw, oh, playing the victim, huh? Well, he wasn't happy with the idea, he would at least be able to keep a... to better keep watch over everything. Awesome, right? Drinking break! Mm. Mm. Sorry, that was a long one. What do we go for? Was that a five-second drinking break? I'm just watching, like, the recording go by, the little waveforms and stuff, and that seemed to take a little long. But I'm going to have another one. Mm. I'm almost done with the can, so it's getting a little hard to tip. All right. If I remember this chapter correctly, I think this last section is going to suck. But let's give it a go. <laughs> After a quiet meal, Rowan and his guests retired to their respective beds. Aaron and Margot were given a sizable bedroom to share with two large and fluffy beds. Aaron was too tired to think much about the evening's proceedings and immediately began preparing to sleep. As she sat on her bed and began to untie her sneakers, she noticed that Margot was sitting on her own bed directly across from her. Aaron became keenly aware that the female mage was staring at her shoes. Um, Margot hesitated. Um, could I try on your shoes sometime? I, I mean, if you don't mind, of course. Aaron was confused by the request, but managed to say, I, I suppose so. They're quite dirty, though. Margot quickly took her own black walking shoes off and slid one of Aaron's still-warm sneakers over her foot. She smiled and admired the sneaker on the floor for a moment before grabbing the other shoe. Once both were on, she just sat staring at her feet, twisting them and turning them to see the shoes from all angles. Aaron watched, still confused. Do you like them? she asked. They're quite common in my world. They're wonderful! I've never seen a pair like this! The pink strapping on the side is so pretty, Margot said. Um, I guess, Aaron said. Margot stared for only a moment more before taking the shoes off and returning them to her owner. The black-haired woman began preparing herself for sleep. Are you still in love with Henry? Aaron asked suddenly out of curiosity. The question had blindsided. All right, sorry, sorry. Are you still in love with Henry? Aaron asked suddenly out of curiosity. The question had blindsided Margot, who stared at Aaron surprised for a moment. I, well, she stammered. Aaron interrupted. I just think you're both very good for each other and have very and very much in love whether either of you are willing to admit it or not. It's a shame when you both play off each, that tension to upset the other. Margot stood speechless, but Aaron sensed she wanted to say more. If you do want to talk about it, though, we can. I don't mind. Margot sat down on the bed facing Aaron with her head down. She managed to mumble a thank you before climbing into bed to sleep. Aaron finished getting ready while the black-haired mage tried to discreetly disguise some gentle sobbing. Aaron had the impression that Margot didn't have many close friends left in the world 
though she didn't think this to be any fault of Margot's, but rather the situation which she was subject to. She hoped the odd mage in the other bed would soon soften to both herself and Henry, if only to stop the mage's bickering. Woo! And that is the end of chapter 8. Actually, before we close out, apparently chapter 8 ends with like a quarter page left, and then there is a completely blank page after it before chapter 9. That seems like it's wrong. Right? No? I, you know what? I think that's happened. Before chapter 4, that happened too. Do books do that? I mean, I guess. They must. I guess. I, again, don't know how to typeset jack squat, but here we are. But anyway, let's get on to our closing remarks. So that chapter's done. I don't think that was a particularly exciting chapter, but we did meet a new character named Roland, who's uh, apparently an older mage that Henry dislikes for whatever reason. It's actually addressed slightly in the prequel that I wrote that you're probably never going to hear or see because it's also terrible, and I didn't get free five copies, so why would I publish it? But anyway... That was, uh, you know, this book is moving along a lot faster than I thought. I didn't think we'd see Roland. I thought we'd have more walking. Although this chapter did involve some walking, but it wasn't as long as I thought. Again, though, a lot of pages left, so we might have a lot of, uh, I don't know, stumbling around for a long time. That could get really dull. We're going to have to see, though. I don't know how this story goes, which is kind of fun, I think. I think next week we might have a shorter episode, but that'll be good. That's all good. I'm really annoyed because when I was reading it, I did see something odd in this. And I was like, oh, this is the perfect discussion question. And now it's gone. I have no idea. It was something that bothered me and I had something to do with Margot, but I don't see it. I, I read through it again. I did find um, another typo, though. I spelt confirmation wrong. I think it was confirmation or... Yeah. Obviously, I spelled confirmation wrong. But, you know, what are you going to do, right? Oh, so this book is exhausting. And we are on chapter 8, so we're moving along. We're, what, three chapters away from, quote, halfway done if we base it entirely on chapters and not pages because it doesn't look like we're close to halfway done page-wise. So, okay, let's move on to some discussion questions. All right. Question one. I'm actually going to reorder these because I came up with this one last. I'm still wicked annoyed that I don't know what the hell my good discussion question was going to be. There was another gaping error in the book that I just can't seem to remember. But anyway. All right. Question one. If you were running from the police, would you stop for a snack? Because that's what they did. Seems like a pretty foolhardy tactic, but I guess if you're hungry, you're hungry, right? And they stopped for a while, because one of them went back to the inn and got stuff. I mean, yeah, that wasn't... I like how that was addressed as if, like, just a shrug of the shoulders. Like, I'll go back and get my things. Not like the police would still be there and there'd be police tape everywhere, especially because... Well, I guess nobody was hurt in this little encounter, right? It was pretty clean, yeah. I think so. But, yeah. Would you stop for a snack? I don't know that I would. Especially in the same town. Ugh. 
All right. Let's see. Question two. When they all get there, Roland... Oh, that was my question. Okay, question two just changed. Aren't you excited? Mm-hmm. Question two. When they got to Roland's house, he said he had five glasses waiting them. Let's see. Let's read the exact page here. Oh, God. There's more walking in the next chapter. <laughs> um... Okay, Roland walked to a nearby table and poured drinks into five waiting glasses for everyone. <gasps> Did he know they were coming? Dun, dun, dun! That's the question. Five waiting glasses. Did he know they were coming? Kind of sounds like it. Interesting, right? Is that foreshadowing or sloppy writing? One or the other. All right, in question three. Okay, you have five people, right? We have Aaron... Henry, Margot, Stephen, and Roland. You have two sofas. Let's assume they're love seats. You know, it doesn't say that, though. All right, they're sofas. You could probably fit three people, but it'd be awkward if they didn't like each other. You know what I mean? Two sofas and one chair. How do you arrange the group? Ah, that's what I want to know. What we ended up with, I think, who can tell from that writing? I'm really not sure, but it sounds like... Aaron and Stephen were on one couch, Margot and Henry on another, and then Roland. Really boring arrangement. Very predictable. How would you do it? What if you had name cards? How would you have them sit? You don't want a lot of fighting, so you'd probably have to keep, like, Henry and everybody apart, right? He might have to go in a different room, it sounds like. Yeah. So I think that was a good chapter. We got some exciting things. We got to see more bickering between Henry and Margot. We got to see Margot cry herself to sleep for whatever reason. A little bit sad. Aw, right? We got to see... What else did we get to see develop? Huh? We got to see our new character and how Steven doesn't quite trust him. So that's building some excitement. And we got to see how much Margot likes shoes. That comes into play. I'm going to... Spoiler alert... Margot likes shoes. All right, that's going to become important. I just snapped. Does the microphone pick that up? It looks like it, a little bit. Anyway, uh, that's our episode for this week. These episodes are all really creeping into the mid-30-minute range now. I, I'm surprised by that, but you know what? It's fine. It's fine. I doubt anybody's listening to it except me and maybe my wife, and like I said, only on episode two, so she's got to get cooking to catch up. We're five ahead of her, right? Well, if you do want to contact me, and boy, I would love it, you can tell me that I'm terrible at reading, you can make fun of my voice for cracking constantly, you can tell me to stop being a cheap bastard, buy a better microphone, whatever you want to do. Yeah, you can reach me if you just find the contact information on our website, my website. i got to stop saying our. My website, jeffreadshisbook.com. Please just send me an email, let me know you're listening, or tell me I'm a dork, all right? But uh, we'll be back next week with Chapter 9, which looks like it might be slightly shorter and slightly less interesting. So until then, people, keep on reading! Keep on reading!